Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Book of Numbers, chapter 11, will be in verses 1 through 15 of Numbers, chapter 11. Now, as we continue to study the book of Numbers and study the peoples wandering in the wilderness, their travels from the Mount Sinai to Canaan, I want to remind us from the New Testament why it is that we're turning our attention to this Old Testament book, and in particular, this time when the Lord is taking the people of Israel from Egypt into the promised land of Canaan. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now here's the key. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. And then a few verses down, again he says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. You see, the Lord inspired Moses to write these events down for us. For us who are in Christ. Because these instruct us how we might truly and faithfully follow Christ. So let us turn to God's holy word knowing that these were written down for our instruction. Numbers chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tibera, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed and the appearance of it like bdellium. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in handmills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, every one at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? 
And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they wept before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now this morning asking that you would give us the grace to turn our attention to these words that have been written down for our instruction. That we might not walk the same path, but that we might seek to live according to Christ and all that He has done for us. We pray for the grace of Your Spirit that our eyes might be open to understand and that our lives might be conformed to Your will. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, grumble, grumble, grumble. This, providentially, is my favorite day of the year to grumble. Daylight savings time. Every year, in the fall, they give you an hour, and then in the spring, they take it away from us. There is no reason for this. There is no known purpose. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't save electricity. The farmers don't want this. You get used to waking up, the sun shining, and then you have to go back to the dark. And what is worse, they do it on a Sunday If there is someone, anyone out there, or anyone who is listening to this sermon online, who can do something about changing this, please end the madness. I love to grumble about daylight savings time. Because I feel like I have a legitimate grievance. In our passage for this morning, the Israelites feel like they have a legitimate grievance against the Lord. They have something to grumble about. In the first episode, it says they're grumbling about their misfortunes. And in the second episode, they're grumbling about the food. Things are not going the way that they would like them to go. And therefore, they have a complaint. They have a criticism. They feel like they have a right to some bemoaning and griping and bellyaching. So that they can let Moses and the Lord know that they're not comfortable with the accommodations that they've been given on their journey to the promised land. When we grumble, we do it because we feel that there has been some injustice. We've not received our fair shake from those who are in charge. And so we get other people together and we begin to lay out the ways that we have been wrong. All of our misfortune, all of our complaints. We feel that we need to give air to every hardship that we have encountered. And there is a side 
of you that feels so good just to let it out. To express the asinine nature of daylight savings time. To give your frustrations air about the weather, or school, or your boss, or being hungry, or the slow internet, or the president, or Congress, or traffic, or young people, or old people. You have frustrations with your pets, and your kids, and your parents, and your in-laws. And it feels so good just to get them out. There's something satisfying about grumbling. And I guess that's why we tend to do it all the time. Nevertheless, our complaining doesn't actually help accomplish anything. In reality, it just makes us more upset about whatever we are grumbling about. And so what are we to do? How are we to move forward? If we have a complaint, are we just to hold our tongue or are we to let it fly? What we'll see in our text is that every one of us is called to stop grumbling and to remember what Christ has done for us in the past, what He is doing for us now, and what He promises to do for us in the future. What we will learn is that the way to stop grumbling is to start remembering. Now one of the most dangerous but tempting types of grumbling, is to talk about the good old days. Nostalgia has a way of making all the troubles of the past fade away so that we only remember what is pleasant. We might think that life has gotten harder or more complicated, but it sure is better now than it was a hundred years ago. For example, we like to complain about food, All the chemicals and pesticides and whatnot. And maybe we have a place to complain and grumble about that. But back in the day, food was much more dangerous than it is today. They didn't have refrigeration. And so your beef didn't have any antibiotics in it. But it was also putrid because of an unexpected heat wave that came through town. You see, we think that things were better in the past. But Ecclesiastes 7.10 tells us, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. You see, the first reason that the Israelites were given over to grumbling is because they forgot what the Lord had done for them in the past. Look down at verses 4 and 5 of your text. There we read, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. The rabble were most likely non-Israelites who had fled Egypt with the people of Israel at the time of the exodus. And the text says that the rabble and the people of Israel began to grumble because they remembered the good old days when they could get free fish and a tossed salad just about anywhere in Egypt. Oh, do you remember how great those melons were? They were so juicy and flavorful. And the fish that would cost you nothing, just go to the river and pull one out anytime you like. 
Now, the ironic thing in this whole episode is that the fish in Egypt were free, but the Israelites in Egypt were slaves. Yeah, you knew where to get a good carp, but it cost you your freedom. And in looking back, they forgot that just a generation ago, Pharaoh was commanding that all the Hebrew baby boys would be tossed into the Nile River. They looked back on Egypt and they forgot that the Lord had redeemed them out of slavery. They forgot that it, it was at the cost of their very lives that they enjoyed this salad bar of cucumbers, leeks, onions, and garlic. They glossed over the whole part where the Lord graciously delivered them from an evil master that they could never defeat on their own and provided for them the Passover lamb. And so they grumbled because they forgot what the Lord had redeemed them from. In our own lives, we can quickly forget all that the Lord has done for us in Christ. We begin to complain about our situation. We think, you know, life wasn't so hard before I became a Christian. The ungodly don't have the same problems that I have. They're all out having fun, eating and drinking and being merry. We can begin to sound like the psalmist in Psalm 73. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. When we begin to grumble about how good the past was, we need to remember all that the Lord has done for us. For we were once enslaved to death and sin. We were once dead in our trespasses and at enmity with God. But God in His great mercy has redeemed us in Christ. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. If you find yourself grumbling about how good things used to be, remember that Christ has redeemed us. The past wasn't all that great. For each and every day that you are in Christ, you are moving away from sin and towards salvation. Even as the Apostle Paul says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Stop grumbling and remember that Christ has redeemed us. Now the second thing that we see the Israelites forgot was the grace God was giving them to sustain them in the present. Now, I'm sure that the accommodations in the desert were not as nice as their homes in Egypt. Nevertheless, the Lord was sustaining them through the desert. All of you know that camping can be fun for a few days, a week, but after a year, I'm sure that this wilderness wandering bit was getting very old. And so the people of Israel begin to grumble and complain. Forgetting that the only reason that they are alive is because the Lord is graciously and miraculously sustaining them. Look at verse 6, and we will see the complaint. They say, But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now manna was a miraculous provision of food that the Lord provided for Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. 
We are told elsewhere that it tastes like honey and cakes baked with oil. One translation even says that it tasted creamy, full of flavor, fully satisfying. Our text also tells us that it can be cooked in a number of different manners. You see, manna was not meant to be a long-term food source. It was designed to get Israel from Egypt to Canaan without starving. But it tasted good and it was satisfying. However, in the midst of this gracious provision, the people of God begin to grumble about their craving for meat. They are grumbling because they have forgotten that the manna is the one thing that is actually sustaining them, that is keeping them alive on their journey. Isn't it amazing our capacity for complaint? So often we grumble about the very thing that is keeping us safe or providing for our needs. Something else that I like to complain about is the TSA. I have to get to the airport how many hours in advance? Then I have to go through all these checkpoints, take off my shoes, go through a full body scan. Come on! Of course, the whole time I'm complaining, I'm forgetting that those precautions are in place so that while I'm in the airplane, I don't get blown up. You see, we complain, but in 2017, there was not one accidental death on a commercial airline. They're doing something right. You see, the Israelites complain about the very thing that's keeping them alive. They have forgotten that even though the desert is hard, it would be their end if it were not for the Lord's provision. Likewise, we must remember how the Lord is sustaining us in the midst of our present hardships. Yes, there are times of trial. Yes, there are difficulties associated with following Christ. Jesus describes the life of a a disciple as daily dying to self. The example that we are given to follow is the path of the cross. Jesus says to each of us, count the cost. And we have to ask ourselves, is it worth it to flee Egypt? Is it worth it to eat manna and give up the free fish? How much do you want your freedom? Because the way is easy. That leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow. And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The way is hard. But the hardship is only for a season. And in the midst of the hardship, the Lord sustains us. He feeds us. He gives us His Word. He gives us His Spirit. He gives us the sacraments so that in the midst of the hardship we might know He is sustaining us. For He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with My righteous right hand. You see, to stop grumbling, we must remember that Christ has redeemed us in the past. We must remember that Christ sustains us in the present. And finally, we must remember that He secures for us the future. You see, the desert was never to be the end goal of the exodus. 
just as the hardships of life are not the end goal of life in Christ. They are only a part of the process to get us home. Israel had to go through the desert to get to the promised land. But they forgot that the Lord had secured an inheritance for them, so they grumbled about the present misfortunes, and they forgot the future. They forgot that the Lord had provided for them a great inheritance. It's kind of like a child who complains that they are bored on the car ride down to Disney World. It's like grumbling that you are hungry as you wait for your Baconator at Wendy's. Once I heard someone complaining about how long the plane ride from Atlanta to Seattle took. And I thought to myself, it took Lewis and Clark 18 months to get to the Pacific. It takes us less than five hours. Let us get some perspective, people. Sure, there are things about the process that aren't great. Camping out in the desert for over a year is no fun. Eating the same food, even if it is manna, can get old. Not knowing when and where you're going to be commanded to travel could be unnerving. But it's only a part of the process. It is only a short time. And then they will enter the land of promise. Look at verses 11 and 12. We see there Moses' complaint, but also a great promise for the future. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as, as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers. Now Moses is overcome with the anxiety of the process. It is too much for him to hear all the complaints of the people. Nevertheless, he knows that the present hardships are a part of a process. He knows that their future is secure, for it is a land that the Lord has sworn to give to God's people. And the Israelites needed to remember this. They had cravings. They had desires. They had sore feet and just wanted to be done with wandering. But it was all part of the process of getting them to a secured land. And we must remember this as well. The road is narrow. And hard, but it leads to life eternal. There is suffering and hardship. There are times when we will have to go without. There are times when we will be overcome like Moses in this process. And we'll want to cry out with him as he did in verse 15. If you're going to treat me like this, just kill me at once. But we must remember that the present hardships and sufferings are not forever. But we have to go through the desert to get to the promised land. Listen to the words of Paul in this regard. He says in Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see, if we are children of God, then we will suffer. 
But we are suffering as heirs. That is, we are suffering as those who have an inheritance of glory. And glory is of such worth that our present sufferings aren't even worthy to be compared with it. Yes, you may be poor now, but you are receiving an inheritance. Yes, you mourn now, but you will be comforted. Yes, you hunger now, but you will be satisfied. Yes, you are persecuted now, but yours is the kingdom of God. Of course, there are afflictions in the desert that we might grumble about. But this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal, says the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. You see, to stop grumbling about the present, we must look to the future and remember that Christ has secured for us eternal glory. So does this mean that we should never feel like complaining? We should never be frustrated or disappointed. We should just be detached. We should just be stoic, never responding to things that are upsetting. Should we just take the approach of, hey, just let it go? Well, of course not. You see, there are reasons to feel homesick. There are reasons to feel like things are not the way that they should be. We are on a hard journey. There are things that are going to happen in our life that are unjust, that are challenging, that are not the way that it is supposed to be. But the answer to our hardship is not grumbling. But rather, the answer is to remember what the Lord has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. And then in our hardships, we will run to Him. For the Lord makes it clear why He allowed His people to feel the hardships of the wilderness wandering. We read in the book of Deuteronomy, And He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know nor did your fathers know. Why? That He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, the hardships of the desert were designed by the Lord to drive us to Him. To remember that our redemption comes through Christ alone. To remember that our current life is sustained by Christ alone. To remember that our future is eternally secure because the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came down from heaven as the bread of life to save us, to sustain us, and to secure us for the eternal weight of glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord now in a time of prayer. Father, we come to you now asking that you would 
remind us of what Christ has done for us in the past. That we would know His great salvation. That You would open our eyes to the way that You sustain us now. And that we would see that we live and move and have our being in You. Lord, and that You would give us eyes to see where we are headed. That all those who are in Christ have been secured a great inheritance. And that the hardships of this present life would be cast aside as we look to the glory that is to come. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen.